We'll be in uh, the book of Mark to start with, uh, chapter 5. Um, we're going to uh, read some verses again that Brother Kenneth read a few weeks ago, uh, but we're going to look at it hopefully from a different direction. Uh, but, you know, uh, there is every one of us in here that is, knows that we're saved, uh, knows that there's only one way that you get saved, and that is putting your trust and your confidence in the blood work of the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross for us. That he was God the Son, and not just the Son of God, that he was 100% man, so he could be tempted in all ways, and yet because he was 100% God also, he, he never succumbed to that temptation without sin. And so he uh, met every restriction, every rule that was in the law, he fulfilled it. And because of it, he was totally innocent. The only man that ever walked the face of the earth that could have looked up to heaven and said, Lord, I want to come home and would have qualified. And yet instead of that, he went to the cross for us. And he took our place substitutionally on the cross. You know, I think sometimes we're in church, uh, those of us who have been in church for a while, that's old news, we know that. But if we have a guest online or if we have somebody that comes in amongst us and we say you need to trust the Lord Jesus Christ, well, we need to, under, we need to explain a little bit what we're asking them to trust them for and in. And that is that we're sinners and we're going to split hell wide open in and of ourselves because we're sinners. We've sinned against God. And the thing is, though, Jesus and the Father, the Holy Spirit, they loved us so much that before the foundation of the world, they created a plan that God the Son would clothe himself in man's flesh, come down and live that perfect life. And then instead of God punishing us as we duly deserve, Jesus took our place. You know, Brother David, Brother Kenneth have said it many times from this pulpit. No person on the face of the earth can say they have not been loved. Because God loves us all. And he took our place on the Calvary. On, on Calvary, he took our place and paid our sin debt. And so every person that gets saved, gets saved the same way. They have to come to the understanding that Jesus died substitutionally for us and that that's the only way that we'll ever see heaven and get forgiveness of our sins and by putting our trust in what Jesus did and no confidence in the flesh no works no baptism no uh, you know anything else nothing but Jesus Christ and that's what's going to get me to heaven but I got a feeling each and every one of us had a different road to that saving knowledge of Christ. We walked a different path as far as the life experiences that we had. What God may have had to put us through to get through our mule-headedness, our stubbornness, our pride, or just because of maybe religion that somebody had in another faith. Uh, that um, taught a different doctrine that wasn't the truth. And it took a while for the God, the Holy Spirit, to bring us about. 
Um, and the thing is, what we're going to look at today is two different people's road to come into the saving knowledge of Christ. And we're going to see that in scriptures. We're going to try to draw some applications. And then we're also going to look in the book of Matthew uh, at our relationship with the Lord after salvation. But we will start in Matthew chapter 5, Mark chapter 5, and starting verse 21. And when Jesus was passed over again by ship unto the other side, much people gathered unto him, and he was nigh unto the sea. And behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet, and besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lieth at the point of death, and I pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her, that she may be healed, and that she shall live. And Jesus went with him. And much people followed him and thronged him. And a certain woman, which had an issue of blood twelve years, and had suffered many things of many physicians, and had spent all that she had, and was nothing better, but rather grew worse. And when she had heard Jesus, uh, heard of Jesus, came in the press behind and touched his garment. And she said, If I may but touch his clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of the plague. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned about in the press and said, Who toucheth my clothes? And, the, and his disciples said unto him, Thou seest a multitude thronging thee, and sayest thou, Who touched me? And he looked round about to see her that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, and knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him, and told him all the truth. And he said unto her, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Uh, go in peace, and be whole of thy plague. And while he yet spake, there came from the rulers of the synagogue's house certain which said, Thy daughter is dead. Why troublest thou the master any further? As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he saith unto the ruler of the synagogue, Be not afraid, only believe. And he suffered no man to follow him, save Peter and James and John, the brother of James. And he cometh to the house of the ruler in the synagogue, and seeth the tumult, and them that wept and wailed greatly. And when he was come in, he saith unto them, Why make ye this ado, and weep? The damsel is not dead, but sleepeth. And they laughed him to scorn. But when he had put them all out, he taketh the father and the mother of the damsel, and them that were with him, and entering into the damsel, where the damsel laid. And he took the damsel by the hand, and said unto her, Talaletha kuma, which is being interpreted, damsel, I say unto thee, arise. And straightway the damsel arose and walked, for she was of the age of twelve years. And they were astonished with great astonishment. And he charged them straightly that no man should know it, and commanded that something should be given unto her to eat. Um, 
you know, when we go back and we look at this and we look at the, uh, Jairus falling at the feet of Christ, being one of the rulers of the synagogue, and you study through the gospel accounts of uh, the people that gave the Lord Jesus the most grief during his earthly ministry, he's one of the same crew. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, the religious rulers, we don't know this for sure about Jairus, but we know of, a, of the group, and mostly they were very proud and they were very self-righteous. And they didn't have any use for the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, and you ask yourself, well, why would that be? Well, you look at Jesus when he was in the temple, and he's sitting there, and he's uh, taking those cords, and he's making a whip. Now, can you imagine Peter and John sitting over there watching the Lord make this whip? And John says, Peter, what have you done now? You know, uh, he's making a whip for a purpose, you know. And what does he do with the whip? He drives out all the livestock that they have brought in to the Lord's house. And he flips over the money tables uh, because people, the thing is, when he did all that, drove out the livestock, told them they had pigeons and stuff, get those out of here. And he flipped over the money tables and everything like that. Who was Johnny on the spot when that happened? It was the Pharisees and the Sadducees that come running up and ask him, by what authority do you do this? Why? Because people paid a lot of money to have the, the, the position there in the temple. I mean, if you lived in the town, you probably didn't have a place to raise a lamb and stuff for a sacrifice. If you lived a long ways away and you had to travel in, you had a hard time bringing the lamb for the sacrifice. So they'd gotten to the point where they brought money. And then they would buy. And they almost made the Lord's house like a drive-in through a, a restaurant. Like going to McDonald's. You just walk up, give some money. If you don't have the right change, you go to the money changers. They change it around. You go buy your stuff, and whoever was the closest, why walk way on out and find you a lamb somewhere else when there's someone right there in the Lord's temple selling a lamb? And guess who probably paid a high price to have the privilege of being there and who got the money? It was the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And these religious rulers, they would have loved to embrace Jesus and all of his healing if they would have worked through him. Just think how many healings he gave away for free. I mean, if he'd have just worked with them, they, he could have, they could have set up a line. You drop the money in the box. You come to Jesus. He heals you. You go on down. But guess what? The Lord Jesus Christ, he came for the people. He, he came to preach the gospel to people. And he healed without condition. He, he gave himself without condition. And the religious people of the day couldn't monetize Christ. And so they didn't have any use for Christ. And there's a lot of false preaching and stuff that goes on today under the same guise. And, uh, and we need to realize that a, a good sound church is something to be so thankful for. But we see here two different people that wound up making their way to Jesus and they had two different routes that they went. Both of them were hardships. But 
the thing that we find um, is that here's this man that if he was like his fellows, was proud and self-righteous, and yet we find him at the feet of Jesus, pleading with him. It says here in the scriptures, fell at his feet, in verse 22, the end of it, and besought him greatly. I think I envision in that a lot of crying, a lot of begging, a lot of tears. How does that sound in comparison to what's usually been known of as the proud and self-righteous? Has the stuffing been kind of knocked out of them? You know, emotionally? The thing that we always need to understand, not only as lost people, but as children of God is God knows where we live. Would you agree with me? He knows the real you. He knows, the, he knows what buttons to push to get your attention if he has to. He, he's so tender. He uses his word. He uses the love of brothers and sisters in Christ to encourage us, to draw us to him. But if we scotch our hills and we decide to get real stubborn about it, he knows where we live. He, he knows how to push our buttons. And the thing that I'd try to share with you about this is as a Christian, we want to realize that we don't want to hold back any parts of our lives. And because one of the things that we do to ourselves is, well, I'm going to hold this back, okay? That means I'm not allowing God to have a part in it. And I'm not allowing God to prove to me just how faithful he is. And so what I'm also denying myself then is the comfort and the peace of mind of knowing my God can handle this. We're kind of, how many of us really, really live by faith or would rather live by sight? I mean, you know, we live by faith, we say, but... When God has come to the rescue, when God has pulled your bacon out of the fire, has he finally, maybe finally proved something to you that no otherwise you'd have learned? God allows trials and things to come into our life not to hurt us, but to prove to us how faithful he is. And the thing is, he does it out of love. And he also just wants you to realize you were never meant to carry this burden. He wants you to realize he's there for you. And he's capable. He's God and we're not. And he's got the power. And when he saved our souls, he took us on as children. Now, as a parent, you know, uh, I've said this a lot in Sunday school. If you let your son play football or something like that, I've agreed to get them to the practices. I've agreed to show up for the games. I've agreed to pay for a broken leg. Uh, you know, you've, you've submitted yourself to a lot of different things when you said yes. Well, guess what? If God gives you permission in your life to move ahead in something, he knows everything that's going to happen in the future. And he knows what he's going to have to do to support you and take care of you. And so we see here with Jarius that God finally brought him to a point where he fell at the Lord's feet. He's begging him greatly to come. And we see in verse 24, and Jesus went with him. 
the thing is, the Lord's never far away. He's not holding you off at arm's length. We just need to come. We need to come before he does something that forces us and knocks all the stuffing out of us. And we're having to fall at his feet, helpless, hopeless. We just need to realize we're already there. We're already nothing but dust. And go to our Lord quickly and maybe avoid. Wouldn't it be nice if we could listen and learn instead of having to live and learn? You know, it's an option. It's a choice. And the Lord loves us too much to let us live without his peace. And so he's likely to bring something into your life that humbles you to the point that you'll depend on him, forced to depend on him maybe. And then because of that, he instills a peace. My God took care of this. If he can do it once, he can do it twice, he can do it three times. And when you lay your head on the pillow at night, you're not standing, you're not hoping, praying that it's going to work out okay. My God's got this. And there's a peace that comes from that that can only come from that. So he goes with them, and along the way, a lady who also has uh, an issue and also fell at the Lord's feet is the lady who had the issue of blood. And Jesus, uh, she comes to the, excuse me, to Jesus and believes that if she can just touch his clothes, she'll be healed. She has faith in that, and she uh, slips up close enough to do that. Jesus knows that virtue has left him, that this lady is healed. And he turns around, and when he turns around, we see here in uh, verse uh, 33, But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. Another person falling at the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, having to go through really serious situations, but finally coming to the point where they fell at the Lord's feet. Um... This lady's road uh, to the Lord was different than Darius's road. Darius, I think, at this point in time has not yet come to saving faith, but he's come to out of desperation to get uh, the Lord to help with his little daughter. But the uh, lady here, she knew in her heart if she could just touch his clothes, she'd be healed. And by Jesus not letting her just slip away, she confessed what was going on in her life, what had happened, the virtue that had been passed on to her. And the Lord says, and he said unto her, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. You know, it's important to acknowledge what the Lord's done for us. And for not just for others, but for us. We need to stop. How many times have we said, you know, almost had a wreck or almost had something, go, we were lucky. No, you were blessed. You know, uh, and the thing is, we need to acknowledge in here that God did it, that God's in charge. The more we acknowledge it in here, what comes from that is confidence. You know, confidence not in self, but in God. 
And that's where peace comes from. How many of you really, you know, the, the Bible's the scripture verse, the peace that passeth, passeth understanding. I would rather have peace than understand. A lot of people say, well, if I don't understand it, I can't accept it. Okay. Well, I've found in my life, sometimes there's been like a two-year dip. And it starts here, and, I, and it's going to get a whole lot worse before it starts coming back up. And so if I have to understand it, God's going to have to sit me down and say, well, tomorrow's going to be worse, but don't worry, it's nothing as bad as next week's going to be. And that's just the beginning. You can't believe what's going to happen to you in a month. And, and stuff like that. Do you really want understanding? Or would you rather have, I have peace tonight, I can go to sleep. I have peace tonight, I can go to sleep. Because my God is on his throne. And none of this is catching him by surprise. So I'd rather have peace, but the only way we get to peace is by coming to Jesus and trusting him for that peace. Now the lady is healed. Darius is so, Jarius is so, he's got to be so encouraged. He's asking Jesus to do the same for his daughter that he's just now seen done for this lady. She just touched his clothes and she's healed. So it's got to be very encouraging uh, to Jarius, but it's also got to be a sense of anxiety. Yeah, 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 but let's hurry. Let's go. I got to get you to the house. You know, that, that's, his, that's the reason I don't really believe he has saving faith yet. But it's got to be encouraging, but he's also got to be full with a lot of anxiety that this is taking too long. The people are thronging the Lord Jesus Christ, and we got we got to make some speed. Well, then some tragic news comes in verse 35, right on the heels of this, what should be very encouraging and was a glorious day in that lady's life. In verse 35, while he yet spake, there came from the ruler of the synagogue's house certain which said, thy daughter is dead. Why troublest the master any further? Now, you know, why were they in such a big hurry to come and deliver terrible news? And they had to be right around the same deal when the lady got healed, working their way through the crowd. And they're just, you know, so excited, it seems like, to hurry up and deliver terrible news. But what I'm so, this verse has stuck with me ever since I've read it and understood. Verse 36 talking about our Lord, as soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, this man's heart had to be just crashing. It had to just be melting in his chest that his only child, his little daughter, had died. And, uh, but as soon as Jesus heard the word, in other words, he didn't make him go through a season. He didn't let him sit there and digest it. God the comforter, in this case, in the form of Jesus Christ, God the Son. Uh, he saith unto the ruler of the synagogue, Be not afraid, only believe. You know, that's really where it all comes down to. Are you going to have to fix the problem, or do you have a Savior that can fix the problem? And are you, can you trust him? 
Can you turn it over to him? Will you turn it over to him? Um, you know, we move on to verse 39. And when he had come in, he saith unto them, Why maketh ye this ado? And weep, the damsel is not dead, but sleepeth. And they laughed him to scorn. Now, I think about this. Think of um, Jarius to begin with. He has gone out and just totally threw his pride away, begged the Lord Jesus Christ to come with him. The Lord Jesus has been willing. Along the way, he sees this lady healed, and she confesses what she's been through and that she's been healed. Then he gets his terrible news and the same Savior, the same one that healed this lady, told him, don't fear, just believe. And so they come to his house and, they, and everybody's wailing and weeping and uh, making ado, as the Lord says. And, you know, Jairus has got to be of two minds. You know, he don't doubt that these people told him his daughter's dead, but he's also got Jesus saying, uh, don't fear, just believe. And so he's got to be, but his wife, bless her heart, she's got to be in total shock. You know, uh, they've already, she was probably with her daughter when her daughter passed. Uh, the people have been wailing and crying and everything, and she knows her daughter's dead. And the Lord shows up and tells them, why do you make such an ado? She just sleepeth. I mean, I can't imagine the shock that that lady was going through. And so the Lord Jesus Christ clears everybody out. And he says, and then the thing that also is amazing to me, these people knew about Jesus. He lived in that area. He'd already been through their towns. He'd already done many, many miracles and yet they laughed him to scorn. Think about that. And then you wonder why people mock us for following the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, uh, if they'll laugh in their day and time after seeing all the healings and everything like that, and they'd laugh at the very Savior himself, you don't have to be surprised when they make fun of us. And, and so just expect it. Guess what? They're lost and they're acting like they're lost. We need to have mercy and pity and concern for their souls. And we'll only be able to overcome their mocking of us by the grace of God and still witness like we should. Um, but there's a couple of things to look at here. The Lord... Uh, laughed in the scorn, and when he had put them all out, he taketh the father, the mother, the damsel of the damsel, and them that were with him, the three that he'd brought, and entered into where the damsel was lying. Now, we won't turn there for time's sake, because they'll turn my battery off. Uh, but in Luke 7, verses 11 through 15, Jesus raised the young man in the town of Nain who was on the burial uh, platform that they were carrying out to the grave. And it was a widow 
and it was her only child and Jesus touched him and he was healed. Very public resurrection. Would you agree with me? And then Lazarus, and uh, when he was raised, now Lazarus' two sisters were saved, and Lazarus was saved. And again, in a very public format, Jesus resurrected uh, Lazarus, right? So, but in this case, he has everybody leave except for the mother and the father and his three disciples. And he, and he resurrects uh, the damsel there. Why? Why in a private setting? The other two times that we have recordings of Lord resurrecting people, very public. But in this case, very private. I think uh, for us to uh, look at this, we need to just take into some consideration that Salvation is a decision. It's not emotions. Emotions may play a part. You may cry. You may jump for joy after salvation. But salvation is not emotions. Salvation is a decision. You come to the realization, I'm a sinner. I'm going to split hell wide open Jesus loved me so much he went to the cross and he took my place and I put my trust, my confidence in the Lord Jesus Christ to be my Savior and Lord. And that's a conscious decision. I can remember the day I got saved and uh, I believe the Lord probably saved my soul right there in the auditorium when I realized I'd made a false profession when I was about 13. I won't go into that. But since I, uh, I knew when I was 18 that I really got saved or needed to get saved, I was a little worried that maybe I hadn't dotted my I's and crossed my T's quite right the first time. So, but the pastor, Brother Joe Hawking, always sit at the back of the church and shook hands. He didn't sit. And I decided I'd be the last one out the door. And when I went out the door... Uh, I'd asked to talk to him and we went to his office and he led me in a prayer and uh, to accept the Lord Jesus Christ uh, as my savior. I really think it took place there in the auditorium when I decided I wasn't leaving that place till it was took care of. But what, whenever that happened, there wasn't a whole lot of time in between. We had two ushers waiting to lock up to church, just like we'd sometimes do sitting around yakking after services. And the ushers are sitting there, you know, are they ever going to go home? And, uh, but they were waiting. And when I came out of the pastor's office, the first thing that came out of my mouth, I just got saved. There was a joy. So there is emotion, but it's after the decision. There, there's emotion. There could be tears. There could be things during the experience but it's not emotion it's a decision and we need to remember a time when our when we make that decision then God the Holy Spirit comes into our heart and he starts changing things he starts cleaning house he starts helping us and there'll be that change so in the case of these mother and father that and the damsel that got resurrected, you think of the emotional roller coaster Jarius and his wife have just been through. 
I mean, they have just been through an emotional roller coaster. If he had raised her from the dead and then just walk off, I don't know if they'd have ever got saved. They, they knew he could heal, but I think what it needed was that private time. And what I'll share with you as Christians, as we go and try to witness with people, we need to find a place that the person who's hearing feels at ease, feels comfortable in case he wants to ask questions that he may not want to ask around just a big crowd of people. Church is a great place to get saved. It's a warm, loving place. That's the reason we give invitations. And it's open for all that know they need to get saved. But if you're witnessing one-on-one with somebody, if they can be in a place where they feel at ease, they can ask questions, they can think about what you're saying, what the scriptures are saying, because no one gets saved apart from the Word of God. Uh, It's the Word of God that brings conviction into our hearts. And so they need to think about it so they can make a decision to accept the Lord Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And then the emotions may be everywhere. It may be joy. It may be hugging you all over the place. It may. Some people just don't show much emotion. But they, when we witness, we need to do like the Lord Jesus, I think, did here. He got the turmoil out of the way, and he sat down with them, and took, he raised a girl from the dead, and he gave the parents some one-on-one time with the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, go with me, if you would, to Matthew chapter 11. And we, I, I won't be long. I'm running a little long, but... That's okay. They haven't turned my battery off yet. As saved people, once we've already accepted the Lord Jesus Christ, we need to come to the realization that we need to also, just like the two people in the scriptures back in Mark, we need to fall at the Savior's feet. We need to come to the realization that we don't really have this all figured out. Uh, I'm 65 now, almost 66, and uh, got saved at 18, and I'm far away from having this all figured out. And anyone who does think they've got it all figured out may need to get saved. Uh, the, the thing is, we, we're so undone and... Uh, we, we need the Lord and we need to be so close to the Lord and we need to be at his feet. And the thing is, it's the safest, most comfortable, peaceful place to be. And it, the Lord Jesus talking at the end of chapter 11, verse 28 through the end of the chapter, he says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Can you also maybe substitute that word rest with peace? He'll give you rest. He sits there and says, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, just in case some of our younger people don't know what a yoke is, it was, you've seen the old Western movies where they had all the harnesses hooked onto the horses and onto a wagon and stuff. Well, back in this day, 
instead of having all the leather harnesses and stuff, they usually just used a wooden instrument that you had one or two wagon spokes or that came out from the, not spokes, but uh, tongues that came out from a cart, and they would put a heavy wooden, like a U, if you would, over the shoulders of the animal, and then at the, down below the neck, there was two holes in that yoke, and they'd run a pin through it so it couldn't come off the head. And then the animal, be it an ox or whatever, would push into that wooden deal with their shoulders and pull the cart or pull a plow, however they wanted to do it. But that's what a yoke is. And the Lord Jesus Christ has said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Now, in verse 28, it says, Come. Verse 29, the first word is take. This is humility on our part. We got to come to Jesus with the issues of our life. In fact, we just need to come to him with our life. And then we need to take his yoke. Now, if we're hooked up into the yoke and it's the Lord's cart that we're pushing, pulling, who's steering? It's the Lord that's steering. Can you think of a better, safer place to be than in the Lord's will for your life and letting him guide? And he sit there and he says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. I tell you what, life is complicated. Life is full of ups and downs. If you're not going through something right now, it's just a matter of time. And the thing is, having peace in your soul, having rest in your soul is available. But it's not if we're stiff-necked. If we're, if we're depending on self, it's a very undependable source of strength and leadership, wisdom, we can study all we want to study about economies and everything else. We do not know what's going to happen tomorrow. But our Father does. And He loves us. He's proved it by sending the Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to have a word of prayer and one verse of invitation. If uh, nobody comes, we'll call it quits then. But if you need the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior, come and let us share from the Word of God how to know Him if you need to pray and realize that you need to turn some things of your life over and take on, come to Jesus, just like these two people had to fall at his feet. Come to him and take on his yoke and let him lead because he'll never lead you astray. Let's have a word of prayer. If y'all would stand with me, please. Father, Lord, we love you, dear God, Lord, and we thank you so much for your great love for us. We thank you, dear God, Lord, for just uh, loving us even while we were yet sinners. And, Lord God, also loving us knowing that we would still mess up even after we got saved. Such love, dear God, Lord, you, you created us, you redeemed us, you encourage us through your word. You give us your church. And, Lord God, we just can't praise you enough for how good and kind you are to us. 
Help us, Lord God, to humble our hearts and to realize that there's a lot of things in this life we were never meant to bear up under in our own strength, that you would be glad to take it off our backs. Lord, help us to turn to you. We'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Page 154.